This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello and welcome to Game Bet Match, the tennis podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers. I'm Nigel Seeley, and I'd like to say joining me as he does every Wednesday is Bet Rivers Ambassador, the former world number four and the number one tennis player in America for the men's game is James Blake. James, thank you very much for joining us. We had a nice chat last week. We spoke about the players you wanted to be with in the top 50 and anyone who looked at those players had a good week, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it looked good. So, uh, I mean, good start to the year, but uh, don't, I don't—I won't count my chickens quite yet. There's a lot, long, long year ahead, and we'll see if uh, we can get some more good picks uh, going throughout the whole year. Well, the, the player I said that might break through to the top 20 was Sebastian Corda, made the final mm-hmm. match point against Novak Djokovic. Should have won it, really, when you think yep. about it. Did quartery things, as we mentioned, quartery things. <laughs> but when you've got yeah. Novak Djokovic at the other end of the net, you know, you've, you've got a and Bet Rivers have absolutely slashed his price now down to about 33, uh, 33 to one to win the to win the Australian Open. Probably a bit of a tall order. Took a week yeah. off this week. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Shelton as well. Had a great first round win against uh, Bays. Uh, didn't do so well yeah. in the second round. But uh, yeah. for the American tennis, things are looking good after the uh, United Cup win. Yeah, they definitely are. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it goes in Australia after that United Cup win. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of um, mental energy that goes into those team events because you're so involved in every match, your matches, your teammates matches. And there's that exuberation from winning. And, you know, it can be it, it can really actually take a little bit of a, a strain on you. So it'll be interesting to see how all those players do a week later because you could tell i mean I'm, I'm friends with some of the some of those guys and um you know they were really excited about it it it, it was it, it meant a lot and so now to pivot and then get back into that very singular very isolated mindset of getting into a grand slam we'll see how they do and we'll see if there's any sort of a uh of a hangover in terms of their their mentality after the united cup we'll talk about the united cup in a minute but the, you know, the first place to start really is obviously the big news come out last week the number one seed in the men's game, Carlos Alcaraz, the US Open champion, misses the Australian Open. He has a leg muscle injury that he sustained, he said, early in the in, in the season. Um, for a young player like that, um, do you think that may be a concern going forward? Or do you think because he's young, he can, he, can, he can battle it off? But, you know, you look at players that have come in the top game, suffer from injuries. You know, for such a young age to have an injury like that, to miss the, the first major of the year when you should be at your your peak fitness really, or you, you probably know better than me, but your fitness, but um, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you, you would think that you'd be fresh and ready to go for the season. Would you look at that as a sort of um, a problem or would you think that that's just, just young age and just, just not worry too much about that? Yeah, I, w- I would try to be optimistic about this and say that he is young so he can recover quickly since it's it, it's um it's not like a, a joint, it's not a knee, it's not a shoulder, it's nothing like that. It's it's a hamstring. So um hopefully that'll recover. And 
Um, that is usually the time in the Australian Open when you feel kind of your best. You've done all your hard work in the offseason, but I think we all saw the hard work he put in to get to where he got to, and you wonder if he just pushed it maybe a little too much and, and actually strained something, um, hurt himself a little bit. But I, I look back to thinking uh, in my contemporary and Andy Roddick, I was more worried about when he was injured. He had a knee injury early in his career. Um, and I said, oh, no, you know, when you're when you're that young, I thought exactly the same way you think. It's so young, you have an injury. He barely had any problems with uh, the rest of his career. He just did such a good job of managing it. I think Alcaraz has a great team with Ferrero um, and the people around him that he'll know how to manage um, any sort of injury and anything that's kind of nagging. So um, I, I try to be optimistic. He's young. He'll recover quickly and then he'll do a better job from now on of knowing his body and his, his limitations. I think the problem with his game, his game is so fast and furious. He runs around the court. He's, he's going to be a player that's going to be prone with injuries, you would have thought. You know, he's what he's going to have another probably 10 years maximum, probably even more, you know, the way that tennis players go on now. He could have a 15-year career even higher. Uh, he's, he's going to have problems the way the way his game plays. So, you know, yeah. that is going to be a problem. One thing you you just touched on there, I, I always like to hear these kind of things from from professional sports stars. Um, I, you know, I would always think oh, I'm, a, I'm a big soccer uh, man over here in, in England. And they, they always say to me that players get really, really at the peak of their game at the beginning, get high, high fitness, high level, and then they really get really at their best in the middle of the season. So around mm -hmm. Christmas time in, in in the soccer season, that's when they're really at the best. We saw, just saw from the World Cup. So tennis players, would that be the same? Would, would you be at your, when do you feel that, you know, a, a tennis player would be completely at their best? Well, actually, that, that's a pretty interesting point is I think you're health wise, you're at your best right at the beginning of the year because you've done everything recovery. You've had everything in a, in a controlled environment. You've been able to control your training, exactly how much you want to train, exactly how much rest you need, exactly how much recovery. And if you've done anything in the gym, that's when you can really put, um, hopefully put on a little bit of weight if you need to, or, uh, or take off some of the fat or whatever you're doing in that off season is when you can do that training. And then, like you said, in the middle of the season is actually probably when you're in your best kind of what you call tennis shape because you played so much tennis. The best way to get in tennis shape is just to play tennis. So you played so many matches, but then you sometimes you're carrying little nagging injuries. Your shoulders are a little sore, your hamstrings are a little tight, you know, things are going wrong, but you you've got that sort of base level of fitness because you played so much tennis that you feel comfortable. You feel like you can almost do it on autopilot. You can play a five setter and not think as much about it. And you've got the recovery patterns down and everything. But um, in terms of your actual health and physicality, for me, it was that first first uh, month or two of the year when you feel as fresh as you're going to be for, for throughout the whole year. Because the, the tennis season, probably similar to the soccer, I don't know as much about soccer, but it, it kind of never stops. You're always playing. So you're always, um, you don't have time to really ramp up and prepare a three or four or five week block like you do in the off season. So you never get that that same sort of fresh, uh, fresh legs and everything feeling, um, unless you're some of the top players that can really take that time off in the middle of the year, the Novaks, the way Roger was doing, the way Rafa was doing. And, um, otherwise you're, you're playing, you, you don't take more than two, two, three weeks off throughout the year. I think, I think the thing with tennis so, uh, compared to any other sport is you, you, your off season so small. So short. I mean, yeah, it's I such, it a, such, a, such a short period of time. I mean, you you end you end in November. You you know, you, and then you a lot of players are playing challenger events in in November and December, and then you, yeah. your first major of the year is January. I mean, it's such a short window. In in soccer over here, you you finish 
in uh, in May, and you 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 back again in in August, and you know yeah. you've got you've got three months off. So I think tennis has probably got the the shortest window in terms of off, off season in any other sport. Yeah, and you can't even though that that's that off season is short, you still have to be training in that off season. You can't take yeah. a real a real break. I remember very often my off season, uh, my actual time off court was two weeks, and that was it. That would be for, I mean pretty much for the whole year that you take that two weeks off. Then you're right back on the court, you're right back training, and you have to get that physical um, fitness ready for Australia because you know you're going to be playing three out of five in the heat. So I, that was my one sort of uh, jealousy of other athletes in, in other sports when they got a real off season, when they got to take vacations, when they got to chill, when they got to put the, the bat down, the basketball, the football, whatever it is, they could they could step away and, and relax for a while. I I would usually take one full week off of everything and then back in the gym, and then after a week in the gym, it's back on the court. And also traveling, the traveling yeah. as well. You know, you straight away to Australia in January is doing that. It's, 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 it takes a lot out of you. I've only yeah. started traveling quite a bit in the last, you know, doing this job with Bet Rivers, I started traveling a bit in the last six months. I'll tell you what, it's absolutely, I, I don't know how you've done it. I don't know, I don't know well, how you could well, do it. I, I will say I travel a little bit now and I used to travel a lot for my job, obviously back then. Age does make a difference. The yeah, fact that yeah. when I was traveling. What are you trying to say, back, James? What are you trying to again? say? <laughs> so I will say, Nigel, had you been doing this, uh, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, you, <laughs> you might not be uh, paying the price as much as me and you are paying it now when we travel. Now, one thing I will say to you about Carlos Alcaraz, um, bit, bit, myself and you, we, we've had modeling careers. You, you obviously been a Vogue model. <laughs> I, I, I've done modeling for crash helmets and uh, and, <laughs> and gloves. Uh, and, and hair cream, I had, I had a hair range that was out very much. But Carlos Alcaraz, obviously, he's injured, but he can still put on some uh, strides and, and wear the Calvin Kleins. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about tennis players now with the modeling? I know, I know. Listen, you're a good-looking man, and you, you, you've done a little bit of modeling in the past. But do you think you know that 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 could be a distraction from as well, such a young age to get such a big contract with Calvin Klein and and and, and the body and the face of Calvin Klein? It's such a fine line, and that's where you got to trust that you're around the right people. Because you got to, uh, I, I was one thing that I was always very open with uh, my coach about look, this deal is in place. I can do this, and I can do that. And you got to think about the fact that you can say, you can go so, so severely one way or the other that that can be dangerous. So you have to find the balance, just like your training. You can be an over, you can overtrain, you can undertrain, but you got to find your right balance. And I think for some people, if you take every deal that's on the table and you just stretch yourself so thin, it ends up affecting you on the court. But if you take nothing, you start thinking about, hey, man, I'm having you're you're inevitably going to have slumps at some point in your career. You're going to have uh, peaks and valleys. You have a little valley and you're not doing so well and you've lost, you know, three or four first rounds out of out of five or six. And you think, you know what? I should have taken that free money that I got, you know, mm -hmm. that I would have gotten for uh, maybe college soccer. I was strutting around his underwear or whatever you're doing um to to make that money on the you know off the court um is that going to affect you on the court are you going to start thinking man i should have done this i should have taken this appearance fee here i should have taken um that job there you know that um that endorsement i should have done this um so you got to find that balance and i think alcaraz is so young but the way he's come up through the ranks and the way he's done it i mean it was meteoric um in in the last year but it, he's been prepared for this i've i spoke to juan carlos ferrero five or six years ago telling me about this kid is going to be good and he's doing it the right way and, and having him on Carlos in his corner. So I think he will find that balance. If at one point he goes a little too far one way and, you know, you see him maybe a few too many times in, in magazines and on commercials and stuff. And you realize that, uh, you know, I think he'll, he'll then, okay, that was a little too much. Let's pull it back. 
and he'll work that out with his agent. I mean, I think I do think he's got the right people around him to find that balance and maybe he'll step out of line uh, one way or the other at some point. Um, but I think right now he's a young kid. He's, he's got his Calvin Klein's on and uh, more power to him. Hopefully make that money. And especially now when he's injured, he can't do anything else, you know, take those production days, get them out of the way now and you don't have to do them later in the year. And that's when you're focused on your tennis. We're going to talk about uh, the women's game and a couple of players who I feel that may have been affected by that a little bit later on the show. But before we we go on to that, denied receiving 2023 calendar is available. Uh, it's all, uh, all good. Uh, <laughs> and I tell you what, January, it's a very nice picture. And I t- wait till June, James. It's, uh, it's, it's Wimbledon season. Uh, strawberries the and cream. There's strawberries the and cream there, which are uh, positioned fantastically so that's the can i i will never do endorsements i don't, I don't really try, try to do endorsements but uh you know i was approached and i, I couldn't say no but uh <laughs> let's move on to the australian open obviously alcaraz is not going to be the number one seed and rafael the dow at this stage of his career is going to be the number one seed coming yeah. in he hasn't won a game you know he, he played three matches i know they're, 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 they're cam nori uh the minuar and uh players like that that uh but at the end of last season very, very poor. Um, I, we spoke uh, on the Game Better Match ATP, ATP Tour show with um, Sean Calvert, and Sean was thinking that he could be the bet here at 14 to 1. I, I, I couldn't have him at all in my mind, but he feels that, uh, you know, Rafa, number one seed, it's, 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 it's there for him. And the price, yeah. the price, the odds become attractive. What, what do you think about Rafa being the number one seed? We, we, Five years ago, he said Rafa Nadal, number one seed for uh, the Australian Open in 2023. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought it. It's truly amazing. And, um, you know, you, you talked about Carlos Alcaraz and, um, you know, him having possibly 10 years and his game being so violent and it's so fast that he's going to, you think he's maybe only got 10 more years. Well, I'll be the first to admit that I was saying the same thing about Rafa when he won the French mm-hmm. Open at, at uh, as a teenager, 19 years old. Um, I thought, man, the way he plays if he's still around at 29 or 30, that's a good effort. And now look at him. He's the number one seed still. So I'll be the first to say I I was wrong about that. I thought he was going to be one of the all-time greats, but I didn't think he'd be, uh, he'd have this kind of longevity. Um, So I'm impressed by him. And having said that at 14 to one, the amount of success he's already had in his career, the amount of success he's had down there, um, the fact that he knows how to win. He didn't seem panicked when he was losing those matches. I mean, not that he ever seems panicked, but um, he just, he still has that aura. And, um, you know, Novak's obviously still a huge favorite, but um, if, if Rafa gets going and his body feels good, um, there's no reason to think that at 14 to one, that's not a good bet. Yeah, I think he's definitely the value. I, I just don't think he's going to, just, I just don't fancy him second week going into five sets. I think if he goes into a long game, he's straight. He's got to have everything go for him, which we've yeah. seen happen before. We've seen players win. Just just one thing when you we just talk about Rafa and we talk about his career and, and things like that. When you, when you first met Rafa and you heard about him, you heard about him in the locker room and you played him and you said you never expected him to be. What what, what did you what did you what was your impression of him when you saw him on, on the other end of the court when you when you first played against him compared to the other players that you played against? Did you realize straight away this this is this is it's boys the real deal? Oh yeah, yeah. So I played him. I was off the tour as he was sort of starting his rise because I was injured. And when I came back, he, by the time I came back, he was top 10 in the world. And I think maybe even like three or four in the world and on his way up to number two pretty quickly. 
And I, I end up having to play him early in the U.S. Open. And I had never practiced with him. I had never even I never really watched him in person play. Um, so I actually talked to Andre Agassi, who had played him earlier that summer, and he gave me a scouting report. And, you know, that's something that's pretty typical. You talk to a you talk to a veteran, you talk to another American that's played played someone that you haven't played. And so you get the scouting report. And then I still remember the first ball he hit in warmups. I mean, he does not just warm up. It is a rocket. And he was, I mean, rifling forehands. And I, I felt like I always had a, a big forehand and I warmed up quickly, but man, he just roped the ball right away. I said, oh man, this could be, this, this could be trouble. This guy's uh, got something pr- pretty special. He's got that very live arm and then playing him just his mindset. I mean, playing me in the U S open, um, the fans were, were definitely on my side and they always are when I'm there. I grew up around there. So um, it's a bit of a hostile environment. He doesn't let that get to him at all. He was not phased by anything, no matter what my fans were doing um, and seeing him compete very hard from point one to the end. Um, you knew something was special. I was, um, I was kind of playing with nothing to lose. I was just so excited to be playing that um, I happened to have a good match that, that time and, and play really well, but um, I could tell there's something special. And I still think back then um, he was playing as a clay quarter on hard courts. Um, and then it took him maybe two, three years uh, to figure out how to be more aggressive because he was, he could hit that forehand so big, but I felt like he was playing somewhat defensive using his, uh, his legs, using his defensive ability. And um, he probably didn't know much about me at that time either. And my, my, the best thing about me was playing offense and being aggressive. And so he let me uh, be able to do that because on a clay court, I wouldn't have had a chance to hit as many winners as I did, but on the hard courts, I was able to. So, and then a few years later, I played him more on hard courts and he had, he was taking it to me. He was using that forehand to be so much more aggressive and, he just um, he figured out his game, uh, and he figured out his game on each surface. Then, and what was your? Did, how many times did you actually play him in your career, James? Played him seven. I won the first three, lost the last four. Oh, I was I was I thought you were going to turn around and say I played him three times, and he and the head table was three 0 I was going to say that's something we got in common. We uh, well, if I had retired, we I should have retired then. <laughs> I was up three. I was up three nil. Yes, yeah, pretty big matches too. U.S. Open, probably... Indian Wells semis, and um, Masters Cup, and then. Uh, and he got me. He he figured me out. <laughs> you probably got one of the best records against Rafa Nadal, probably around. Yeah, you know, yeah apart from that. Good. Yeah, you got you. Got, that's it. That's it. That, that well, well, that that's. I, I I honestly thought you were going to say I played him twice and he beat me twice. And I was uh, my next line was going to be that me and you've got something in common. We both have been <laughs> Rafa Nadal, but uh, you, you took that away from me straight away. Um, yeah. We touched on it at the beginning of the show, James. We talked about the US team uh, winning mm. the. Uh, the United Cup. It was a great performance. Really, really good performance by everybody. You know, yeah. Jess Pegler was fantastic on the women's yeah. game. Taylor Fritz was uh, immense, which we mentioned last week. With yeah. somebody, who I thought the conditions would be fast. Francis TFO was was brilliant, and they were fantastic yeah. against the Italians as well. Um, yeah. You sort of touched on it a little bit more about the difference playing for team events and the uh, individual events. But coming now, we. With that sort of, it feels like you're on holiday with your mates. You know, you you, you get a kind of vibe about you going you're going back into that. Everyone, the American players coming into flying to Melbourne will be really confident, won't they? To be in confident mood. Yeah, so it's um it's the way you balance it. is the confidence, or is there a little bit of a, a tired feeling after having that kind of event? But they they all seem to get along so well. I mean, that's a great group. Uh, Jess Bagul is about the most laid back human being you could imagine, and so she's great as a teammate. Maddie Keys is so fun, so so positive, super energetic. Francis is about as much fun as someone can be. 
Taylor, similar to Jess, like just kind of calm, cool, collected, um, been around the tennis world his whole life. So he's just he's just relaxed. I mean, it's it really was a great team. And the camaraderie is uh, I, I wish I was there to, to see it and be a part of that. It was uh, it looked like a ton of fun. And those guys, those those guys and, and women all had had, um, had great performances. Uh, I mean, to, to, to the man, to, to the man and to the woman, they, they all played uh, played their role and they played it uh, perfectly. So. You know, that was a great, uh, great performance. You know, maybe there'll be a, a team uh, playing pl quite a few years uh, in, in the future and and having a lot of success. But I know you you tipped Taylor as a possible uh, major winner this year and, and a, a top 10 player. And um, he sure looked like it. Francis looked like he was going to continue the success he had last year. And you wondered um, about Francis after having so much success, just like you were talking about Alcaraz. Like there's a lot of opportunities for Francis right now. A lot of uh, a lot of companies looking at him to to have him be an endorser. And um, so is he going to keep that focus all this year? And Hey, that was a great start to the year, the way he played down there at United cup and, um, and Jess and Maddie also, um, you know, phenomenal. Jess's performance especially was, was just incredible. The way she, she played against the ego was uh, I mean, it looked like she was practically flawless and um, you wonder if she can keep that going through Australia. Well, there's two, two things I was going to come back to with the argument there. TFO, Francis' performance, you know, you talk about him being such a great guy and everyone you ever read about, say, what a fantastic... He probably has to be a little bit more mean on the tennis court, doesn't he? You know, he has to be a little bit more aggressive. You know, he plays with so much fun and, and it, yeah. you know, he has to have that sort of drive to be able to to really, really want to hurt people and beat them. You know, that, that clinical edge that uh, Djokovic has, which, not you know, not many people do have in sport, but that's the difference that probably sets him aside. With Jessica Pegula, she was the takeout player for me. From yeah. the tournament and and the and the Schwantek performance was insane, absolutely yeah. unbelievable performance. And you know, Igor Schwantek was was before last week. She was a very very heavy favorite. She's still favorite to win with the the oh. Australian Open women's singles with Bet Rivers, but she was a, about plus one twenty favorite. Now she's out to about plus two dollars. I saw a different side to when she put the towel over her head. Her reaction she didn't want to see. I I. I didn't really like what I was seeing from her. I, yeah. I, 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 it looked a little bit petulant. I couldn't, I couldn't understand mm. why her performance. She, she got beat fair and square, but to, mm. to her reaction to the crowd, I don't think it's going to help her. I think she'll have a little bit of negativity going around her in there, and and she's always beatable on the faster courts. So yeah. I was, I was really surprised at that. So, so Jessica Pekula comes in as a real lively contender here for the uh, for yeah. the Aussie Open. She does. And I think it's uh, it's interesting because I feel like that match kind of flipped a lot of people's um, ideas of Pagula uh, was that uh, for so long, for the last, I don't know, two or three years, I feel like everyone thought of her as a solid contender, um, probably not going to push the, the absolute top of the game, um, but just going to beat the people she's supposed to beat. And um I just think that's been she's been so she's almost been a victim of being so consistent because she's been so good, but she hasn't had that breakthrough. And I think that was a sign to people that it's it, it might not be if she breaks through, it might just be when because um, she has the ability, she has the capabilities to win a grand slam um, and she's always looking to improve. I saw her at a charity event uh, just about a month ago. Um, and so it's the off season, and that's when you do tinker with your game a little bit. And she, we were there with, so there was Andy Roddick was there, Mark Knowles was there, uh, Milos Raonic was there. And just talking to them, talking to them about her serve, talking to them about, you know, just still learning, still wanting to get better and improve and what she can do. And that to me is uh, such a positive sign. As opposed to like what you said with, with Iga, that was, that was kind of, um, 
uh, unfortunate to see as well, her, her reaction. Mm. Um, someone that's number one in the world has as much success as she's had in the last year. You'd expect them to maybe take a loss a little bit more in stride when you know you've got the Australian Open coming up. And, and that's um, that's something you can be focusing on um, as a number one player in the world, you think you're thinking about winning grand slam titles. And so you have a loss and maybe just the way she lost, because it was, I mean, it was from start to finish pretty dominant by Pagula. Well, she, and she's, she's, she hasn't had a loss like that for three years, four years. Exactly. So I think that maybe, maybe that was a shock to her system. And now that she's got it out of her system, she can put it behind her. And um, I know she's got a great coach um, work with him. And, and um, she also travels with a, um, a mental coach. So maybe they talk about it and figure out, okay, that was, you know, have that short memory. What's that, that Ted Lasso, the, uh, you gotta be a goldfish. Got it. Forget about that and, and move on to the Australian open. Well, he's, he's got his work out this week. <laughs> he's got, he's got a busy job this week. The amendment course, just one thing about uh, Jessica Pickler. I mean, obviously a, a family, a very wealthy family, you know, they're, they're very well known. Obviously they own the, the Buffalo Bills, uh, American mm. football uh, franchise. Do you think that's a negative for her? Do you think that people look at her and think to yourself, not for her as a player, but for the yeah. public, do they think, you know, sometimes when she doesn't put in performance, they tell myself, well, she doesn't need, you know, doesn't need it. You know, there's, it's, it's always a general sort of uh, thing that somebody, you know, uh, well, she, she, she's okay. But you know, you, you know, her personally, you've been around yeah. with her personally. She's got that, even though she has that background, she's got that drive yeah. and wants that determination to win. Yeah. And I think that's sort of played into the the people speculating that, oh, she's, you know, she'll be a, a pretty good player. She'll make a round of 16, but she doesn't have that drive. I, no, I, I don't think that's the case. I think she absolutely has the drive and uh, wants to make a name for herself at the top of this game and do everything she can to be successful. And, you know, maybe it does take some of the stress out of it. I don't know. I never had that, that kind of um, financial stability uh, from my parents, but I don't think it affects her. And, and because she is so laid back and such a um, just genuine person that I don't think it even bothers her that, that people have that um, that idea about her or how she grew up or anything like that, because she grew up um, loving tennis and mm. wanting to play and wanting to compete. And I think any competitor, no matter what the finances are behind it, um, you just have that in you. And that's something I, I think about now. I've got two daughters and and I see that they actually got to got to hang with Jess a little bit um, at that charity event. And they were so excited and happy to meet her. She was uh, super, super down to earth and great with them. But um, you can tell, I think even from early on, when they've got that just fire and it's something that can't be taught. And I don't think any sort of financial status changes whether or not you have that fire. She has it. Uh, and I, I would say, I mean, most people that are, that get to anywhere near that level have to have that. And um, people sometimes forget that they think about the the bigger picture, the, uh, uh, you know, the fact that her parents own the bills and, um, and what they've done uh, successfully in, in the world of finance. But um, that doesn't, they, they forget that that doesn't affect once she steps on the court, once she, mm -hmm. she knows what the job at hand is for her. Um, she's ready to, she's ready to go to battle there. It's just the just the sort of an insight, you know. You, you when you you see someone who who has got some sort of financial money, they don't necessarily have the drive that someone who doesn't. And that you know, yeah. you know, I remember when Tim Henman was playing at Wimbledon, and you know, I I I sort of knew Tim Henman's family, and I knew that they were quite wealthy. And then when he would play up against Courier in the uh, in not 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 the gym Courier, Courier in the in the French Open, the grinder yeah. from Argentina, I knew there was only going to be one winner because the, the, yeah. when it got down to the heart and the graft and the determination, yeah. I knew that Tim would want to be back at Wimbledon. He wouldn't want to be 
<laughs> going into a fifth set against. But he actually won. He actually beat Carew in the fifth set. So he changed yeah, it. Yeah, I remember he actually, that. He actually beat him. Which, yeah. uh, but it, but that was that kind of sort of cycle from a better's perspective. That yeah. was how you were thinking. You know, I know. But obviously, from your personal perspective, you know, you know, Jess as well. That's that's great to hear that she's got that sort of determination to to, to succeed. Um, let's go quickly. Quickly, our point on the women's game. We sort of touched on it again at the beginning of the show. And we're just going to move on from it. Uh, it was um, uh, Emma Raducanu. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. she she broke on to the the US Open. Now, when she won the US Open a couple of years back, now she mm -hmm. lives about twenty minutes from where I live. Now, her, yeah. she has a very very humble background. She lives in a very 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 uh, so not you know not a lucrative area, um, mm -hmm. and suddenly she won the US Open. Since mm -hmm. she won the US Open, she's played six games. She's uh, so she, she's hardly won a game. In six mm -hmm. matches, she's pulled out, retired, or injured. She's had, I think, five different coaches now. Um, we're talking about people who get involved in in, in advertising and and merchandise. You know, we're talking about Iacras with Calvin Klein. There wasn't a, a front cover of a magazine where you couldn't see Raducanu. She won all the plaudits over here, mm -hmm. and I feel now she's at a, a stage of her career where. I think if she walked around the streets around this area now, not many people would know her because yeah. I think she's unfortunately in her career. I think she's she's at that point now where she's got to stop what she's doing off court and she's mm -hmm. got to perform. She hasn't got the right coach. Nothing's working. Um, where you know, as, as someone, if, if someone asked you now to look after Emma Raducanu, said you listen, I've got, I want you, James, to advise her. What, mm -hmm. what what would you be the advice you'd be saying to her? I try to think about getting back to what worked. Um, you know, when she burst onto the scene, there was that sort of awe, that sense of awe that she had for um, each event. And I think there was the respect for every opponent she played um, because it was kind of new. Uh, so many things are new and it, it's easier when things are new. Um, then people get a, a little bit of a, a scouting report on you. Um, you know their game. So it becomes a little more cat and mouse. Um, but I do feel like she had tons of respect for every person she played. And that I think that gives you a little bit of an edge when you say, OK, this is someone that I that I have to play my best against every single day. And then she had so much success and it was in relatively dominant fashion as she went through the U.S. Open, uh, not dropping a set. And then it's OK, well, now I can beat everyone. I can beat anyone and everyone. And does that just change in your mindset that little bit that now I'm I just have to play okay and i'm still going to beat some of these top players as opposed to i in, in my opinion uh just watching her she went into every one of those matches at the us open saying i have to play great i have to play really well i can play loose i can play free i can play aggressive um and she did that and now i feel like she's guarding against that and she's try, trying to play a little bit not to lose and, and just being a little safer and i would love to see her getting back to just that free playing uh, just playing extremely free um, and see if that see if that brings back some of the success. And the problem is, I think she's worried about the fact that when you play like that, there's a chance you're going to throw in a clunker. You're going to throw in a match where you're going for everything and everything's missing and you lose two and two to someone you maybe shouldn't have lost to. Um, but then you come back the next week and you can win a title. And the way she has been playing, I don't see that uh, that volatility, but I also don't see that upside as much as I saw it when she was first coming on, when she was playing so aggressive and so free. And um, 
as far as the coaches and the injuries, she, she has that injury. So you, you wonder how much of it is physical if she can't exactly do the same thing she was able to do because she's being ham- hampered by injuries. And then with the coaching, you know, that's something that's uh, that's somewhat foreign to me because I, I like to stick with something that was consistent, something that I knew. And she's been changing so much that there isn't that continuity. And that makes it very difficult, especially for someone that's young. I think it's so important to have that coach, the right coach when you're young, as you get older, You've been around long enough. You know what to do. You know when you're being successful. You know when things are going right. You know how to change things if they're not going right. She doesn't, I don't think she's there yet because no one, I don't think anyone is at that age. So um, this is where it is important to find the right coach. So I really hope for her sake that this one sticks or the next one sticks and she finds that person that can get through to her and that can really break down the X's and O's, but more so than breaking down the X's and O's, um, just give her the confidence and tell her things the way she needs to hear them that she can be successful. I think she, I think yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said, but also she looks like a, woman, a young girl with so much pressure on her shoulders. When she went on the yeah. court, she was so much fun, so happy, smiling face going in there with no fear, just enjoying tennis. Now yeah. she's got the, the, the world on her shoulders. She doesn't yeah. know. And, and I, and I, and I, I, I watching it I, and I feel quite sad to actually watch someone in this state. I think it could have been so much differently for her if she had good management and a good coaching system behind her. She got rid of the coach that she had from school. It was a coach who knew her from when she was a young kid. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's quite, for me, it's quite an exciting thing. And you also got to remember the one thing you got to remember about Adekanu is that prior to winning the US Open, she suffered from a panic attack. Yeah. in the Wimbledon last 16, the stage got to her. And then yeah. what, three months later, whatever it was, she, she's the US Open champion. So the girl's yeah. probably not ready for this. Yeah. So you got to give her a time. And I think she's, yeah. I think goes back to what you said there, good management, Alcaraz signing the deal. You had good management at the time. And someone just said, listen, sign that, sign that, sign that. And she's a, a, a public uh, commitment to much more outweighing in her, her uh, tennis commitments and I feel it's really really sad to watch but uh, hopefully she can come back hopefully she can get through to let they show her quality show her class and do well in the Australian Open which starts in just a few days now the draw is come out tomorrow on Thursday yes. and we haven't got the draw yet James and uh, we're going to be pushed for time but we're not going to speak to you before the uh, the Australian Open starts so I'm going to ask you who who you think is going to win it and, and I, I, I probably think you're going to say Novak Djokovic, because he's, Gotta your, go man. he's your man, he's your, he's your safe man. But if, you, yeah. you know, if you're but, looking for an outsider to go with and you're looking for someone in the women's draw, who would it be? Yeah, an outsider on the men's side, um, a guy that I, I had success last year and a um, real tough one with uh, with Alcaraz is Berrettini. You know, the courts are a little quicker. Um, I look for him to maybe have uh, have a little more success. Um, like I said, I still think Djokovic is the, the pretty heavy favorite the way he's playing. But Berrettini is a guy that if that serve gets um, gets rolling, um, he could be he could be pretty dangerous. Um, on the women's side, um, you know, I, I've I've heard a few people say that they don't like Coco Golf on the faster courts, um, but I still think people forget how young she is. She's 19 mm-hmm. years old. And uh, I mean, she's going to be, she's getting better and um, she's improving the forehand. She's improving the, I mean, scare. It's scary for the women's tour. Is it her improve her, um, her movement is actually improving. So um, I think she's already possibly the best mover out there and, and it still seems like it's, it's getting better. So um, I think she's got a shot um, and it's going to sound like I'm kind of a Homer, but Coco and, and Jess Pagula are, are, are 
pretty big, uh, pretty big picks that I would go with. Cause, um, cause I just think they, they just, just to me, her, her mindset, her attitude is, has always been great. And now it seems like the, the, the game and the skills have, um, have caught up and they're at a point where they're at the top of the game. Yeah, I think they're coming in great form as well. And obviously, you've got to come into the, the Australian Open is the one tournament, the one major. You have to come in red-hot form. And those yeah. two girls are coming in red-hot form. James, yeah. I can speak to you for another half hour. I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot to do. And I, th- I appreciate your time. I really do. I love talking tennis with you, my friend. Uh, have a great, great week. And obviously, if you want to follow us uh, on our Twitter handle, you can follow us at Because We Win. We're all the handicappers on the Bet Rivers Network. Also, Bet Rivers Network on YouTube. You can download that. And please uh, subscribe to the podcast, Game Bet Match, on the, provided for Betting Weekly, on whichever uh, podcast provider you use. James, have a great week, my friend. Uh, all the very best. Uh, all the best. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll speak to you next week if you're not too busy for the, for the Australian Open and give us your opinion on it. Take care. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network.